Hey guys, and thank you for finding your way to Morgellons Discussion, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Murphy, and this show is about Morgellons facts. Uh, that is to say, what has been able to be demonstrated uh, for scientific purposes. So, if you hear me saying something about Morgellons disease on this show, it's got to be coming from the scientific world. It has been published in a prestigious journal. And the science, the experiments that went into producing that data are repeatable. So if you're looking for factual information about the Morgellons disease condition, welcome to our show. Hi, and welcome back to Morgellons Discussion on Anchor FM. I'm your host, Jeremy Murphy, and today I wanted to pose the question, is it possible that the Tuskegee syphilis experiment patients were actually infected with Lyme disease? And so the reason why I raise this question is because of the testing methods that were used back at the time and the molecular identification methods that were also available. From what I've been able to understand, the causative agent for syphilis, the actual germ, wasn't elicited until the early 20th century, about 1902 or something, and that was also the same time that relapsing fever, tick-borne relapsing fever, was elicited. Both of those germs were actually observed under the microscope, and they were determined to be the causative agents. But it wasn't until the 1940s that we developed the DNA technology to be able to differentiate between the two, and it wasn't until the 1980s where we discovered the causative agent of the Lyme disease, which is kind of complexing to me, because relapsing fever and Lyme disease are both Borrelia, yet they are very distinguishable, apparently. So we know that the Tuskegee syphilis experiment patients were tested using the Wasserman antibody test. This test in particular has been demonstrated to cross-react with other diseases, which the Lyme disease test has been demonstrated to cross-react with as well, like tuberculosis, lupus, and I did find one slightly contemporary study from the 1980s, which demonstrates that Lyme disease itself may cross-react with syphilis antibodies. The Wasserman test was actually replaced with the rapid plasma reagent test and the VDRL. Neither of these tests are 100% accurate because in the early and late stages of the disease, it's less likely that your body is going to produce an antibody response. One thing that people don't really understand is that initially these germs live in the skin, and that's often where they're introduced. Syphilis, of course, from direct skin-to-skin -skin contact. Lyme disease gets injected into the skin by an insect vector, or in both cases you can be born with the infections. However, there is mounting evidence that Lyme disease itself may be sexually transmissible. And if that's the case, then perhaps it's even more likely going back in history that patients who are described as having syphilis may have actually been infected or co-infected with Lyme disease. It's interesting that both diseases cause almost identical identical tissue damage. Some researchers may even say that no, it's actually identical and that there is no distinguishable difference. My concern has been historically when you go back and look at the figures, syphilis is confirmed in patients at a rate of four times more than Lyme disease. And that's going back for the past 20 years. 
But all of a sudden in the news, we've seen an explosion of cases of Lyme disease alongside an explosion of cases of syphilis, but the two don't seem to be intersecting at all. From my experience, people who are suffering with Lyme disease don't want to consider the notion that they have syphilis. I mean, these patients, including myself, are already marginalized enough. There's no official help in regards to offsetting the cost of this highly expensive and very serious medical condition. Here's the thing. Syphilis can be cured with penicillin. However, recent research has demonstrated that up to 30% of patients, and I've seen figures elsewhere which say 50% of patients who go into the late stage do not recover with standard penicillin and even extended periods of intramuscular penicillin. I've heard the argument that syphilis is just the dumb cousin of Lyme disease, but that doesn't hold water when you start looking at research, there are Russian studies which demonstrate that syphilis itself can morph into cell wall deficient and cyst forms and can even exist intracellular. Recent research has also shown us that syphilis uses only a single gene to evade the immune response. Still, Borrelia seems to have the most plasmids between the two, though there is a wild strain of syphilis that is reported and demonstrated in the literature to have these plasmids as well. What I am saying is that it's very possible because of these ancient texting techniques and what we didn't know about Lyme disease at the time back in the 30s and the 40s that the Tuskegee syphilis experiment patients could have actually been dealing with Lyme disease. I know there's the conspiracy theory that Lyme disease escaped from plum Island in the 70s, but the research just doesn't back that up. Lyme disease has been found in Otzi the Iceman, for example, and he's a 5,300-year-old Italian man. We found Borrelia bacteria inside insects that are trapped inside amber from millions of years ago. It's nothing new, and people have been experiencing it for hundreds of thousands of years. So, the question is, at what point are we going to get serious about intersecting these two diseases? Because the evidence, as I stated, is starting to become more clear and pronounced that Lyme disease may be sexually transmissible. We do know that it can survive inside vaginal secretions and seminal secretions and that partners are often found with the same identical strains of Lyme disease. The response for syphilis seems to be more aggressive and more upfront. I think the reason why we don't have a lot of syphilis patients claiming to have Morgellons is because typically most often they'll go to the health department and since the treatment is the same for Lyme disease, antibiotics, they just get it resolved a lot more quickly. In fact, there are some states that have aggressive testing campaigns for syphilis and have always had them in place. I was reading about a school up in the Northeast where patients were catching syphilis, getting treated, catching it over again, getting treated, catching it over again, getting treated, and this vicious cycle just kept repeating because the body cannot produce an immune response to prevent reinfection with syphilis. And that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to create a syphilis vaccine and potentially one of the reasons why the Lyme vaccine wasn't very popular when it came out. But, you know, we still have old school methods of preventing these, but if Lyme disease is sexually transmissible, if it's possible that the Tuskegee syphilis patients had Lyme disease, I think we need to find that out. I think we should be able to determine if that's the case, if the Tuskegee syphilis patients were either infected actually or cross-infected with Lyme disease. It may be possible that a lot of these patients actually had lupus and other 
autoimmune conditions, though there was actual direct treponemal testing in the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. There were lumbar punctures, and surely there is data somewhere to determine how many of these patients actually had visible evidence of treponemal germs inside their spinal fluids. God, that's horrible, isn't it? Just thinking about getting the spinal taps and they didn't even really need them? That's some BS right there. Sure, they got a large settlement from the government and even the president apologized to them, and it quickly becomes evident that we've got a real problem on our hands. There are states out there that are just not taking syphilis or Lyme disease seriously, and generations are being able to pass these germs on to their families with increasing debilitations. What do you guys think? Let me know. Leave a comment down below. I am going to be making an episode about some bullshit treatments for Lyme disease, or for Morgellons, uh, including those that try to address slime molds. The SSKI will not work for Morgellons. And there's a lot of other ways that patients get sucked down into these horrible online pits of misinformation. When really, they could just go to a doctor and should be able to go to a doctor, get the condition elicited easily and treated readily. I don't think there's any reason why patients should be running around with these active infections like I was for years and not be able to get it resolved responsibly. And that's what makes patients so pissed off when they go to try to get treatment for it. It's obvious they have an infection. All the people in the ER know they have an infection, except for maybe that one dermatologist in the middle of the night and the nurse who doesn't really know why you're being annoying with the moaning and the groaning because you're in pain and stuff. But for the most part, people understand that Morgellons patients are actually dealing with live active infections and the reason why we're so freaked out is because we can't get it treated responsibly by going to the doctor like you're supposed to. We're going to get that fixed. It's going to take some time, but you got to have the information correct. You have to understand that there's a lot of people out there who don't understand what Morgellons is, and if they got sores on their skin, they may be thinking that it's something that it's really not. And we may be thinking that it's possibly something when it's actually something autoimmune, like the lupus or something. All right, hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Just like that, living up this life all day. Yeah, we write that. 
Just like that, saying what we gotta say. Just like that, living up this life all day. 